How did you get the idea for Cord Brick? Yeah, so actually this was uh, you know, before my, my drinking days. Uh, back in 2015, I had been, I was in bed struggling to sleep and my phone cord would always fall off onto the floor but between the nightstand and the bed, sometimes underneath the bed. I'd have to get up, get out of bed, get on the floor, turn my, uh, get a flashlight or some light or room light and turn it on and then pick up my cord and plug my phone in. And, you know, most of the plugs were pretty short, I think, when the cords first came out for iPhones mm -hmm. and those kind of devices, you know, three feet. And then the plug on the wall is only about 18 inches up high. So it just pulls the cord off of your nightstand or bed. And in my head, I, I still actually can remember this moment, at least. I think I can remember the moment when I thought you just need like a brick or something like that to put on your bedside. The following is a conversation with Nick Barrett. Nick Barrett's life was a mess as he struggled to find his purpose and suffered from alcoholism. But through legal trouble and divine intervention, he had an awakening and has been on a journey of self-improvement that continues daily. As a result, he founded Codebrick LLC in 2020 and has been growing the company ever since. Recently, he was featured on the Today Show and plans on entering major retailers soon. Before Codebrick, he actually had zero product development experience, and in year four, he's earned a utility patent and even won $10,000 and the coolest product honor at the National Retail Federation's conference in 2023. Here's our conversation. Nick, I've got to say, I'm really excited that we're able to take the time and put together an episode today because I've read a lot about your background and I really resonate with your story because I think it's similar to the beginning of my story, not all of it, but at least uh, in the entrepreneurial sense of kind of trying to find your purpose and really go after what you want. So first and foremost, I wanted to say thanks so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Daniel. Awesome. Well, to start out, I have a question. You know, right now you're an entrepreneur, but prior to the start of your entrepreneurial journey, uh, you certainly had some challenges. So to get into one of those challenges, you struggled a lot with abuse and specifically alcoholism. To kind of drag it back a little bit here, why do you think you struggled with alcoholism? I think it comes down to a feeling of sort of worthlessness. Uh, mm -hmm. At least for me, that was that that was really kind of my default. Um, you know, when I was when I would feel down about myself or things wouldn't go my way, I would mm. kind of take that all the way to the I am a bad person uh, or, you know, I am not going to be successful. I'm not as good as other people. And then alcohol made that kind of go away. Um, as anybody who's had a drink knows, it gives you that warm and fuzzy feeling and makes you feel kind of comfortable with yourself. And so just coming from the sense, you know, this is all in hindsight, right? I didn't know this at the time, but, um, you know, in, from, in hindsight, I think that, that's kind of what it was. It was just wanting to change the way that I felt. On that note, you know, you mentioned this is all in hindsight. Say, for example, if you could talk to yourself from five, ten years ago or for whatever you were having the substance abuse issues, what would you tell that version of Nick? Wow, a deep question for uh, question number two of the pod That's, here. You know, yeah. We uh, you know, <laughs> you with a great podcast for asking shitty questions, so we got you picked the right podcast today. I like it. Um, well, I think I would probably boil it down to the simplest thing that I could, and the first thing that comes to mind for me is the, uh, a lesson I've learned. You know, here I am in year seven of my uh, sobriety journey, or coming up on it you know, very shortly. Um, is that 
when you practice, whatever you practice, you will become. And mm. so, you know, taking breaks and taking it e easy and not working hard. If you, if you practice that, you will absolutely become that. And if you practice working hard and uh, sticking to your word and telling the truth, uh, you'll become an honest person with integrity who works hard. And it's very difficult when you are an honest person with, with integrity to not have success. So, um, you know, I would say, do you want to have success? And if you do, um, this is what you have to do. If you don't want to have success, the reason that it won't work is because you will practice doing other things and whatever you practice, you know, that's, that's what you perfect. You know, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure kind of not easy stuff to share, especially considering where you came from and a lot that you overcome. But on that note that you just mentioned, you know, a lot of people that are struggling, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people that struggle with a lot of issues, substance abuse being one of them. I think a lot of times when they see, they know what they're doing is wrong, but when they look at success, they think of this huge hill to climb. And don't get me wrong, life is a huge hill. Anything great, anything you know worth doing in life is, is going to be a challenge or along those lines. But, you know, as you know, as an entrepreneur, everything doesn't happen overnight. It's really these small incremental changes. So if someone was going with you, say if you were talking to yourself from 15, 20 years ago, or just someone right now struggling with substance abuse, what kind of incremental first step would you tell them so they can get back on that path to success? Yeah, so uh, accountability is a really weird thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it seems like being accountable to other people is really all there is. But I think, I think actually it, it really has to start with yourself. Um, you've got to start doing what you say that you're going to do. And one of the ways you can do that is kind of make a, make a trick out of it and sort of tell other people that you're going to be doing that thing. And, and what that does is it gives you that social guilt of when you then don't do it or people start asking you about, Hey, did you ever X? Um, and you didn't, uh, or maybe you did, um, you get some accountability from them and then internally you sort of end up putting it on yourself. So, I would say create some sort of, uh, you get, you've got to start somehow, but you've yeah. got to create the desire to, um, you know, uh, have something done. And that sometimes can be putting an expectation in someone else's head. It can be the guilt of not wanting to uh, not meet other people's demands. So you can be creative with how you go about that. Um, the first step is to start. And to start, you've also got to start talking about your ideas and sharing them. So, um, you know, doing that, sharing your ideas, and then telling people that you have intention to do something will kind of kick you off, I think. You know, I love that you brought up that point just to start, because I think a lot of times people look at these things, as I said, mentioned, as these huge, complex challenges, and things may end up being that. But I think it's so underrated that people don't really consider the fact that all these great entrepreneurs, all these great business people, at some point, they didn't know anything. They were also beginners. Like I, I can't emphasize enough how much it is just to get started. And when you get started, you have to have the expectation to know that you're probably going to suck at it because it's like you're just starting out. But what can you do? But I think it's underestimated, you know, one, that all it takes is a start. And two, that, you know, just you have to have the courage to start. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't seem to have that courage. So whoever is dealing with issues or just considering their entrepreneurial journey, I'd strongly recommend have that courage to start. And, you know, after that, see where things fall into place. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when you ask them, you know, what advice do you have? People are shocked when it's so simple, but for whatever reason, people uh, don't want simple advice, but that's a story for another day. Uh, so <laughs> appreciate you sharing that. But 
Speaking of one of the notes that you mentioned, I really like that you brought up accountability in the sense that once you tell other people, you ultimately kind of psychologically may hold yourself to the standard because now it's expected of you. Do you think there are any, any other reasons why people struggle to escape addiction? Um, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, it's the easy way out. And to be honest, it does solve the problem. You know, if your life isn't, um, uh, isn't that bad, you know, you're getting a temporary solution that you're able to use uh, over and over again. You know, for me, I just pretty much had to quit because I was coming up against serious legal consequences with DUIs. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's definitely there's everybody has different reasons. Um, but for me, you know, I can just speak from my own experience, really. Got it for sure. So to get in a little more of your own experience, you know, I know you said you had reading about your story, you said there were some legal issues and some divine intervention. So more specifically, how did you overcome your addiction? Yeah, it was that kind of uh, uh, legal hurdle of getting my driver's license back that basically required me to go Mm -hmm. through um, different parts of the retrieving your license after a third DUI. There's different steps based on, you know, different states, of course, have different rules and punishments and uh, then you you know go to court and the legal system and your lawyer has something to do with it and what you've done in between your arrests and the court date also has something to do with it too. So um, there were a lot of variables going into you know how much time I was going to have to do for a third DUI, which for me was in five years. And so um, a family member of mine had gone through a recovery program and it had worked for them and it had kind of been interesting for me to see that person who was very unexpected at least in my mind for them to seek help and to admit that they had a problem and to stick with it to that point it had been i think maybe two years since that particular individual had uh, stopped drinking themselves and so um you know i had known for a little while in my head or at least had a feeling that I was out of control. I couldn't stop. It, mm-hmm. it was becoming a real problem. It was destroying my life and I didn't want it to be that way, but I just didn't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the legal consequence pretty much gave me an opportunity, really. Um, I had to wear an alcohol sensing, sensing ankle monitor around my ankle 24 seven. That's crazy. Yeah. 24 seven, um, you know, in, uh, in the shower and everything. Um, and it could tell the difference of alcohol versus water coming out of your skin. Um, so if you had one drink, apparently I looked it up, it said that other people had been busted for just one drink. And then I had a Wi-Fi thing I had to sleep next to in my bedroom that would literally transmit the report to the Pinellas County Sheriff's office where I got my third, uh, second and third DUI within a period of six months. Cause I was on, on a real downward spiral there, um, in 2016 and then, uh, early 2017. Damn. Talk about negative reinforcement. I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I had no idea something like that existed. So that that's a really neat thing that exists and I'm happy that exists for a positive purpose and glad that mm-hmm. it was able to help you out in your journey, but more specifically to your journey, just reading a bit, some about your background. I know one of the reasons that you struggled was due to lack of purpose. How did you find your purpose? I think purpose is a tricky word and question and means different things to different people, first of all. So let me just start off with that. But um, I would say I don't particularly identify with having a purpose myself. Mm-hmm. I would I, I would actually phrase it more in terms of... Um, I have developed uh, 
a different sense of the trajectory in which I want my life to head towards. So um, maybe I would rephrase or, or um, use a different word and say, you know, how did how did I find the ideal that I'm aiming towards? And so I would say through listening to a lot of other people and uh, with help of AA and kind of realizing that the group dynamic, the reason AA works, in my opinion, is because the, the group dynamic and then wanting to go pass the message on to other people and sharing what you've learned. <clears throat> because, you know, as I listen to all these podcasts like yours, um, the thing that gets you to really learn something is when you actually don't just listen, but then you go take that out into the world and start speaking about it to others because then they ask you questions and you have to be able to answer those questions. And if you're not prepared with the full depth of the knowledge about it, you're not going to be able to really give a good thoughtful answer as to why what you're saying is even the case. So you really have to understand something to teach it. Right. And so um, in doing that, um, I have learned that, um, you know, well, I, I guess kind of just that, right. That, that by teaching something, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be able to have better understanding of it. So, you know, um, I, th I think that answers your question. I think, I think I see what you're saying. So, you know, some people see it as a purpose and some people see it as more of how do they want to live their lives or what ideals they have. And the biggest, the biggest hurdle there is really getting set on your ideals and once you kind of crystallize those in your head, it makes it easier to pave a path forward. Absolutely. Got Agreed. it. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that story there. Now, regarding your story specifically, and as you have on your shirt there, you are the founder of a really cool company and something that you know I should probably start using with all my wires, but a company called Cordbrick. So how did you get the idea for Cordbrick? Yeah, so actually this was uh, you know, before my, my drinking days. Uh, back in 2015, I had been, I was in bed struggling to sleep and my phone cord would always fall off onto the floor but between the nightstand and the bed, sometimes underneath the bed. I'd have to get up, get out of bed, get on the floor, turn my, uh, get a flashlight or some light or room light and turn it on and then pick up my cord and plug my phone in. And, um, you know, most of the plugs were pretty short. I think when the cords first came out for iPhones mm -hmm. and those kind of devices, you know, three feet, and then the plug on the wall is only about 18 inches up high. So it just pulls the cord off of your nightstand or bed. And in my head, I, I still actually can remember this moment. At least I think I can remember the moment when I thought you just need like a brick or something like that to put on your bedside. And I don't want to have adhesive because I looked up the competitors and um, at the time, and even now, there's these little things that have adhesive on the bottom. You can stick them on a surface, and they have little cord channels in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I decided that I wanted um, to have mine be able to not only uh, hold cords, but also wrap cords, which, as mm -hmm. you can see on this one here, if anybody's watching, you just snap, wrap, and trap. So you can pop the cord in one end and mm -hmm. wrap it around cord brick and then trap the other end and the other side. And when you release that side, it unwraps untangled. And so then you've got sort of a traveling cord management device mm -hmm. that allows you to hold cords, um, wrap cords, and then even stand phones. So um, that phone standing was uh, something I didn't initially think mm -hmm. of. But then once developing the product started, um, kind of um, we figured out sort of that the product could also do that. And so that's another benefit of being able to use it with your phone uh, because it goes with your phone cord everywhere that you take it. 
Got it. It's a really innovative and neat little device that you have there. And I like the simple design because it's really versatile too. And I think what separates it from other, you know, maybe competitors is a lot of times when you have an adhesive, it's a pain in the ass to take off and you have to clean the area. So it's nice to have something that's very soft and, and a bit weighted there. So kudos on that product. But, you know, I know you have zero product develop, or you have, you had zero product development experience. How did you develop that product? Yeah, I totally feel like an expert now, but I'm sure there's uh, you know, unlimited amounts of information that I do not still know about manufacturing. This is just a very you know small little uh, project that I've worked on, but um, I, you know, trial and error for me has always been something in math and in other uh, science, physics, stuff like that. Um, sort of see what happens um, has been my approach. And so I was a little clunky going about this the first year. And so it took me about, about a whole year to start in 2020 to develop the product. Um, I finally have refined that process just a little bit and I'm still learning quite a lot, but uh, we do compression molding with this product. Um, and so we're able to get the cost at a, a, a reasonable rate. Uh, and so give, give, give the product, which is a you know, reusable product, as you mentioned, something that people can um, use again and again and move and stuff like that. Uh, it's made of silicone rubber, so it doesn't like deform or, or uh, break or anything like that. But um, I think actually like my non-manufacturing experience brought something new because mm -hmm. if you look at the competitors, knowing what I know now about manufacturing, the, the people who design those products, it seems to me, either they themselves already had manufacturing experience or people who were advising them or engineers who were making the product were advising them to make it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And me, I just pretty much brought like, no, here's what the product has to be. We have to make it that way, no matter what the cost is into the design process. And so um, if you're going to make it this, the way that I made it, it's not ideal to make it from a manufacturing standpoint, given the flat sides of the product, there's quite a lot of friction when releasing this thing from the mold. Um, so that's a little tricky, but it's something we work through. Um, so that's, you know, uh, where my manufacturing experience has come from. And, and then now it's evolved into 3D printing and making my own silicone molds. And mm. uh, now, now there's 3D printing of silicone and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to see where it's going to go from here. I think uh, Jeff Bezos said on a podcast recently, it's good to have a bit of the mind of a beginner because it lets you wander and you're not restricted or restrained by these corporate walls or kind of the, these fake walls that you see. So maybe it was an advantage starting out and glad to see that you were able to kind of bring it that way. But a quick note on the design. Did you always think it would look like this small brick or did you have any other kind of fun design ideas? Uh, yeah, I definitely played around with different other shapes and whatnot. But kind of from the beginning, I realized that if it was, uh, it would have the most friction if it was flat. And by the way, I think that was uh, Lex's podcast with Bezos. That was a great episode, by the way. Amazing, yep. one. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I pretty much thought like in my own head, now I didn't always call it just cord brick. I mean, it's full name at first was the anti-gravity cord brick. Cause I was, you know, preventing gravity from pulling cords on the floor, but then Ooh. I just shortened it to cord brick. But, um, you know, I went with, you know, lots of other little names for it at first, but, um, it did end up kind of coming out brick shaped. Um, so yeah. God, it's a, it's a fun and intuitive design. I think you're, you're on the right path, but I mean, you mentioned starting out, you had, you know, no product development experience, but we're able to kind of build this really cool product and certainly starting out, you're probably learning a lot of things and, you know, making a few mistakes in the beginning. What do you think your biggest mistakes were starting out? Yeah. So I actually want to go back to something that you asked me earlier, which was how do people get started? Mm -hmm. And then, so this kind of is the second part of that is like, 
what do you do when you hit a roadblock? And so, uh, because when you get started, you know, you're going to be able to figure out a certain amount of things, but eventually you're going to come to a point where you're like, oh, I don't know that. Now what? Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to happen a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways um, along the process when it comes to, you know, getting, you know, packaging, shipping, um, uh, the UPCs, different stuff like that, uh, patents, right? You know, there's a whole bunch of minefields in there where depending on your, your knowledge and skill set, mm -hmm. you know, you may or may not have that info. So for me, what I would do when I would get to those points is first, I would say like, do I know anybody that has experience here? And I'll reach out to my network and try to get them to help me get through that. Mm -hmm. um, and that I would say has been like such uh, an unexpected area that has just you know rocketed me past different difficulties you know as, as i've proceeded on this um and i kind of didn't expect how helpful other people would be with different connections because they're they're oftentimes doing it for free you know mm -hmm. they're, they're really not making any money or anything from it as well um, besides pointing people in the right direction now that's what i do now when i'm uh, confronted with people who are um you know, seeking help themselves is just try to give them the best help I possibly can because that's what people gave me. So, you know, trying to pay it forward in a way. So it sounds more of the mindset of not so much technical expertise, but having the mindset of just being able to get over these humps and then more specifically being able to have the vulnerability to reach out to people because there are people out there that are willing to help with this kind of stuff and give back. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, you, you know, you kind of have to be a certain type of person maybe, but um, I, I think being not afraid to just go out there and, um, you know, go ask for help and then just work through your problem solving process and just don't quit. If you just continue working hard, you know, I, I, in my experience, you can work through most problems that you come up against. You know, there's on that podcast episode, I think I forgot if Lex or Jeff said there's a thousand ways to be smart. So you just have to pick one of them and kind of uh, pick your path and get other people to be the, the other versions of smart. So Really appreciate you bringing that up. If you could go back, what's something you would have told yourself on the first? Um, hurry up, <laughs> get going. Uh, there's, you know, stop moving so slowly. I think uh, as you move uh, it, uh, along in, in year by year, so this is my first company and I talked to some other people who mm -hmm. have had multiple companies. And then, then when they start a new company, it's not just that it's their it's a new company. It's that they bring all the knowledge of the previous companies that they did, all, mm -hmm. you know, almost no matter how unrelated they were, you're going to be bringing in tons of great knowledge about how to move fast and get stuff done and do what needs to be done at that time. Um, I would say, you know, for me, it never have been starting a business before. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so I think I would have done better just to move faster and uh, not worry about, um, some of the little stuff that I was trying to perfect and work on because that would get resolved and solved mm -hmm. along the way. And it's going to change a million times anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, just, just try to figure out how to move quicker. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair. So on a similar note, what's been your craziest day of work? Um, probably when uh, I one coolest product at national retail federation show in 2023 mm -hmm. um we had just gotten on amazon maybe a month or two before and we had a huge selling season and sold as the, the keyword stocking stuffers on amazon mm -hmm. um 
you know, and we ended up making, you know, 10 times as much as I made my first year in business in uh, 20, which year was that? 2022 that we did in 2021. And so we didn't make very much in 2021. So it's 10 times, not that much more, but um, that, you know, then we won, won this coolest product award and it was voted on by attendees. And I think, you know, I had been told at the event that because I was a small company that some somebody else was going to win the award mm-hmm. because usually what they do is they kind of rig these things, honestly, like someone else that's attending, they get one of their big uh, attendees who they have a lot of clients in, say Amazon has you know, sponsored someone's booth to come there and they all vote for that person. But um, so some people were telling me, don't even try to get this mm-hmm. award because, you know, it's going to go to someone else. Mm-hmm. And then I got the award and I got the cash prize. And I kind of just reflected that night and I just patted myself on the back and talked to some other family members. And, you know, I kind of realized like, you know, in my head, what I had envisioned, like, this is really coming true. I mean, I think that was the moment of realization for me. Um, People accept this. People like this. People think it's cool. It's won a coolest product award with a $10,000 cash prize at the National Retail Federation. I mean, how much more legit can you get? For sure. that, That was probably it. Winning, winning feels great and glad that you got the winning moment there, but you know, all winners have doubts and have those dark moments. So on your entrepreneurial journey, did you ever think of quitting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you are constantly thinking of like, is this going to work out? And like, what percentage sure am I that this is still possible? Like one of the possibilities is working out. Elon talks about this sometimes about, you know, I knew that there was a potential path for success that was still available, right? Mm-hmm. For Tesla and for other companies. And so, but if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're honestly evaluating and you realize this is not looking good, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to stop. And, and I would say that uh, any entrepreneur should be questioning that kind of as they're going. I, and I would say up to up and until maybe six months ago, I was wondering that, you know, uh, maybe a couple times a week. Um, should I, is this the right thing? Should I quit and do something else? And that was three years into the startup. So, um, I mean, I had a lot of good indicators, but um, what really happened and changed was we got the utility patent and um, all of our claims were accepted. And so it's a pretty broad and protective utility patent. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, that pretty much took a lot of the doubt away from me because I thought I realized like, okay. And we'd had a lot of, you know, uh, validators uh, up to that point, but that kind of was like, okay, now I have the legal protection that is going to protect me in the largest consumer market in the world, the United States. Mm -hmm. And so if I can do that, I can be pretty sure that it's going to work. And so that, that has really allowed me to kind of mentally even free myself a little bit more to commit to this because I am pretty sure now that, you know, uh, we may not be the, you know, be the richest company in the world, but we're, we're going to have success. Um, we'll, we'll, we should do well. Uh, with a final note on Corbrick, I wanted to ask, how do you see the future of the company? Do you see yourself continuing to grow it? Do you see yourself making an exit at one point? What does the future look like? Yeah, I think exit's a possibility, but I think that probably we'll have to have several more products. I've got a, a number of products in the brand line, and then one coming out in a couple of weeks, um, and then a few other ones, kind of related type products that you, when you see them, you'll kind of be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense for this brand. So um, I think it'll take that before an exit makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're only our fourth year into the company. 
Um, we still haven't hit a million in sales yet, so mm-hmm. we've got a long way to go. Um, and I, th- I think our peak value will be, you know, a couple years down the road when it may make sense for an acquisition um, or an exit. Got it. Maybe you'll have a, a cord brick for the Apple Vision Pro. And, you know, if Apple buys you guys one day, you'll you'll have a bunch of those small kind of white gadgets with Apple logos. So if that happens, I'll definitely have to paste this clip uh, somewhere in the future and uh, we'll be uh, time travelers. But interesting note on that and appreciate you sharing some of that. On another note, I saw in your LinkedIn bio, there's a line, management comes most naturally, but I was born an entrepreneur. Why do you think entrepreneurs are born? Yeah, I probably need to update that line because I'm not sure I'm a great manager, <laughs> actually. Um, uh, but the, I think the, the part that you mentioned is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so first of all, I'll just say like there's different personality and behavioral uh, things online that are free that pretty much anybody can go and take. So go and take those. And uh, I come out as an entrepreneur every time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that is the first reason I would give for that. But second of all, um, just because talking to other entrepreneurs, I really seem to, uh, I, I vibe with them, right? I, I, I understand what they're talking about. Um, they seem to get me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I see things. Um, I am a perfectionist. I really like mm-hmm. to do things my way. When I was working at other companies, even if the boss said something was okay, um, or or you know my boss or the mm-hmm. owner of the company, even if I didn't think it was good enough, I I would go back and keep working on it even after approval, which wasn't always appreciated by the boss who was paying me then for spending more of my time on, mm-hmm. on whatever it was. So I've kind of always had the I want to steer the ship mentality. Um, I think that if you look at, um, you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and you hear people and venture capitalists talk about them, you will hear that there are common characteristics of these people. They're open, they're compassionate, um, they're humble, um, not to call myself humble or or put myself Mm -hmm. in the group with any of those people. um, But, you know, it seems to be that those people have a lot of things in common and and to be an entrepreneur you kind of have to be creative and i would say um yeah i I actually do a personality assessment that i group my whole family in a spreadsheet with and we can kind of evaluate each other by the big five personality characteristics and so some people i know to be less creative and they test lower on you know openness and openness to experience so um i don't think it's really something you can choose maybe um, I don't know whether it's nature, nature or nurture, but I think at, at after a certain point, people are either like that or they're not. So, Got it. Do you think there's a possibility that entrepreneurs can be made as they advance through their careers, or do you think it's more innate? Um, it's not that. Uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, it, I think it depends. I think there's a portion of people who, yeah, that you're just probably not. It won't be. It's. Uh, let me let me let me rephrase and start over. I would say everyone should do what is optimal for them and their personality. And for Mm -hmm. some people that's an entrepreneur, but if that's not the optimal thing for you and your personality, I wouldn't recommend it. I I don't think that you, those people would enjoy it. And I think that they, they wouldn't succeed. um, And they, they, or they would have a tough time succeeding regardless of how much work they put in. But I think that um, your personality is kind of a real thing. You can change your personality slower over time, but I think kind of your natural characteristics, you know, they kind of do determine to some degree 
where you fit in in the working world, in my opinion. I think it's a really interesting point. I think my personal answer is probably also it depends. I think people can, you know, come out the gate, for lack of a better word, are really just being creative and wanting to do their own thing. And other people start in more of a corporate or traditional setting and they just kind of hate their lives and like, I can't do this. And then they kind of come to it. So really interesting there. And I think everyone's story is unique, but always cool to hear about these people that just kind of dropped everything and are like, yeah, I just, I need to do something else with my life to be happy. So fun note on there. But speaking of entrepreneurs, you actually met one of the entrepreneurs. So how did you end up meeting Damon John? Yeah, I was just at a trade show in Orlando um, last month and it's ASI, Advertising Specialty Institute. I was going because my product makes an incredible promotional product and I wanted to get it in front of uh, people that are going to share it with mm-hmm. their end buyers. And I was standing at my booth all by myself. And sure enough, I look straight ahead in front of me and I see this guy walking towards me. He's wearing sunglasses and um, he's got a name badge that's kind of tucked under his belt loop, which is unusual because usually people are wearing it around their neck. And so is the sunglasses because we're inside. But, you know, it's this five five bald guy. And I look at him, I say, Damon? And he says, yeah. And, and he's, there's a large uh, man behind him, maybe six, eight or so. And big sense. guy. And I realized, oh, this is Damon John and his bodyguard from Shark Tank. And so I realized immediately it was him. And uh, I said, hey, can I get a picture? And he said, yeah. And the, and the bodyguard, presumably the bodyguard said, um, hurry up. And so I handed my phone and Ooh. I go over and stand next to Damon. And I got a, a photo of us. And I'm whispering in his ear during this photo, hey, you got to check out my product. Come over here. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, what do you got? So I'm like, hey, yeah, we just got on the Today Show. We got it into Lowe's. Um, we won coolest product. You got to see it. So I bring him over the table. I'm like, hey, look, prevent your cord from falling, wraps your cord, stands your phone, does your AirPods. This and that. I go through the pitch and I get like halfway through and he goes, stop. And I think I've done something wrong. And he pulls his personal phone out of his pocket. And he's like, can you do that again? I'm going to film you. And I'm like, my heart's pounding. I'm like, oh my gosh, Damon John is filming me on his own phone, pitching my product. This is like, this can't even be real. And uh, what I should have done is I should have asked the people next to me, hey, can you film him filming me right now? But I didn't do that. So I don't have any evidence that this happened, uh, except for my word, which I'm telling you is really what happened. But um, but yeah, he, he filmed me, he pointed his phone up. He said that you're the, you're the inventor. I said, yeah, that's me. And then he uh, just kind of walked away. And so I don't even remember if I gave him a sample or not. I can't believe it. So, you know, I didn't get any of his information. Um, so I've asked around and tried to find his email address and send an email to one of his addresses I was able to find. So I don't know what he did with that video, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. And mm-hmm. I later, I later found out that he invested in a company um, that was, went on to Shark Tank and is a phone accessory. And just by weird coincidence, about a month before, I had met the founder at another business event and mm-hmm. didn't know anything about his acquisition or, or deal with Damon John. So just kind of a funny uh, set of coincidences there. Yeah, coincidences are always interesting. I was going to say, uh, you know, maybe you should have asked him to invest <laughs> in the product, but it's okay. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. We'll take these uh, once-in-a-lifetime experiences and we can get them. But uh, on another note, you know, you do a lot of work with entrepreneurship and, you know, as you just mentioned, you had a really fun Damon John story. Who's Nick Barrett outside of work? 
Yeah, um, so I, I started working when I came out of college. I switched my major from engineering to recreation, park, and tourism management mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to sell fun. That was my idea. I was like, I didn't want to do math. Mm -hmm. I wish I had kind of gotten an engineering degree now, but um, yeah, a... I wanted to do like recreation. I've always enjoyed like adrenaline pumping experiences. So um, I became like a kite surfing instructor and just do it in my spare time. Uh, have a stand up paddle board, like to spend time outside. Um, and I would say actually, you know, I'm, uh, not unlike most people, family events and spending time with family. I mean, we do a, a family beach trip. Some, some years we've done it the last three. We're not going to do it this year, but um we call it barrett beach week mm. and so you know get out there and all hang out together and uh for the people who still drink beers they they drink a lot of beer <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh throw some cornhole and stuff like that and um so yeah you know um that that is me in a nutshell hanging out having a good time man Got it. i'll have to my last name is bloomin so i might have to steal bloomin's beach week i don't know if we do that so i appreciate you giving me that me that idea but Nice to see some of the stuff you're involved in outside of work. Uh, on a funnier note, if say your life was turned into a movie, what actor would play you? Oh man, uh, shoot! Well, when I was younger, people used to say I look like Tom Green, but he's he's a bit of a goofball. <laughs> I, I like I happen to like Tom Green; I think he's a pretty funny guy. But um, uh, ideally, uh, Bradley Cooper, man, Philly guy, uh, mm -hmm. good-looking guy. Um, and then maybe Jennifer Lawrence could be the love interest. That would be great. Got it. Okay. Interesting. We'll have to, didn't they, wasn't there a movie with, with her as the love interest and him as the lead? There was, they've uh, got, they've got several together. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook is the one maybe you're thinking of, uh, I, I think great, so. Yeah. Great flick. So we'll have to see him after, but, uh, re rephrase the plot. So really just yeah. going on there. I think if you got the haircut, right, we could, uh, we could definitely uh, get that happen. So hopefully uh, Bradley's listening, but you know, on a bit of a parting note here, I know, now, you've certainly had your fair share of challenges, but you're doing really awesome things now. And you're someone that knows both sides of the spectrum, you know, being really down on yourself and being really happy. Do you have any happiness hacks that you use sometime when you're still going through those down periods? Oh, absolutely. Um, gratitude, first and foremost. I mean, whenever I'm feeling bad about myself, I'm just not being appreciative enough about what I do have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just the most, the simplest things, but really you can go up from there. Um, and then the other thing I do is I try to pay it forward somehow. So mm -hmm. one thing I haven't mentioned is I've got a mission with Cord Brick and that mission is to build something. And that mission has nothing to do with the physical product that we're uh, selling. It has to do with, um, you know, I'd like to uh, donate to, uh, and we do donate to um, a nonprofit here in Florida to build housing for people in early recovery. Mm -hmm. um, that they manage and help people get back on their feet and help them uh, get a job and get to meetings and uh, get a program to get their life back together. Uh, because, you know, I was there and I was fortunate enough to have housing, but many people are not. Um, and the other part of that is um, I speak at a local university going back actually uh, in two days and in their entrepreneurship school. And I want to inspire people to create and build something themselves. So, um, I am communicating with different students and mm -hmm. uh, creators and people, and I am happy to provide free advice, mentorship, uh, anytime. Uh, whenever I have time, I'm happy to give that. And so that always makes me feel better when I can use my wisdom, experience, uh, experience, strength, and hope, as they say in the AA program, um, to benefit someone else. So that always gets me out of a ditch. Got it. It's incredible how giving back can almost, you know, increase that dopamine to a sustainable level. So 
definitely a food for thought there for anyone who's listening. But on a parting note here, and similar to the answer you just gave, when it's all said and done, how would you want someone to describe Nick Barrett's legacy in three words? Uh, uh, unafraid, relentless, uh, and, uh, you know, mixed between like honest and trustworthy. Um, you could count on them, you know? Got it. I think that's a really creative answer there. And Nick, you're really a, clearly a really creative individual and a great entrepreneur. And it's been an absolute blast and really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thanks, Daniel. Really professional. Glad to be here. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Nick Barrett. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show on Spotify, drop a comment on YouTube, and subscribe.